Hello Assassins, Gargudon here and welcome to episode 21 of the Memory Corridor here in the ones who came before. Today we are continuing our retrospective looks at older Assassin's Creed titles, today focusing on 2015's Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Joining me for this is fellow the ones who came before team member, actual Spider-Man. Now just before we dive into this, tell the audience a bit, a little bit about yourself and what you do for the site and here in the AC community. recently got partnered with the ones who came before, so now I'm doing articles with them. I've got a few up on the site if you want to check them out. Under actual Spider-Man and Spider-Mentor on Twitter, uh, I unravel all kinds of stuff. I've been writing a long, long-standing project called Codex and Forest for the last four years. and got a subreddit going, uh, a little humble cell of mine, as I like to call them, uh, trying to piece together everything in order. Nice one. So, with introductions out of the way, let's hop into the Animus and go back to the boom of the Industrial Revolution in Victorian London. So, the first thing I'd like us to cover is, what were some of your favourite and least favourite elements about Assassin's Creed Syndicate in terms of, among other factors, story, characters and gameplay? Uh, I love the story, honestly. Uh, I thought, you know, it's a somewhat unpopular opinion, but... The jokiness, the campiness, it reminded me of the Sam Raimi films, to be honest. So uh, I love the one-liners from Jacob throughout the, the whole thing and the brother-sister, you know, Chaoticness. banter that they had. Yeah, yeah like, uh, I, I feel like the story itself, it was good. It wasn't like one that um, relied on, like, emotion necessarily or, like, character, heavy character development. Like, it didn't reach the, like, like deepness of, like, let's say, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Revelations, Black Flag, stuff like that. But it was still on to something. And if anything, like, the main, um, like, it mostly relied on, as you said, like, Jacob and Evie's um, relationship as brother and sister and, like, the chaoticness that comes with that, the trouble that came with that, and then really having to, like set their personalities aside and yeah set set that aside for the great for a greater course because i, I think, think the they had to build the british brotherhood back up yeah from, definitely from the ground because it, i, I it think very different from like the the past ac games where like definitely typically you have you see the family member die and they go out yeah like they were already assassins building having were, fun building the london brotherhood they <laughs> were born into the brotherhood and you know like, by the time the, the game takes place, 1868, they're, like, only 21, both of them. But, you know, they are, you know, fully trained assassins, uh, you know, in combat skills, martial arts, free running, all that stuff. So, yeah, they are born into the Brotherhood, which, um, which as you say, is actually, like, um, now that I think of it, something we didn't necessarily see in previous games was that, you know, because there was always that origin, like, they were born into the Brotherhood, but they didn't really know about their heritage, or they become assassins as like, um, as the game progresses. Yeah, we didn't yeah. see their training necessarily. They yeah. were already like take someone like Ezio. Like, yeah, he's born into the Brotherhood, but it isn't until like ten, twelve years into the story of AC Two that he like officially becomes an assassin, even though he like worked with assassin accomplices and worn the ropes and hidden blades for like over a decade at that point yeah um yeah it took him a yeah. long time 
So it kind of like, and, and that's a cool element, I guess, about this game, now that you mention it, is that it's like, kind of uh, hops directly into the action. And already, like, the very first mission was that, like, uh, you know, you go through all this stuff that, like, make, at the time, I guess, made Assassin's Creed what it was, you know, stealth, hit and blade, you got this target, take him out. Um, yeah. You know, sneaking into that factory as, as Jacob, which which was a pretty cool opening. Yeah, um, and uh, I do think they took, like, that typical grindhouse look with, like, introducing everybody when they came on screen, they, like, drill into your head, like, not just with the historical people, but with, like, the Templars, too. Because, you know, 80% of them weren't even real, so... Yeah, that's the that's the thing I guess is that like in previous games, a lot of the Templars, like antagonists, they've kind of, you know, they've actually were real historical characters, whereas in this game, a lot of them were were fictional. Yeah. And that's a good question. Is that kind of like I actually don't know the reason for that. Is that because like the Victorian era was thin on inspiration, or what was? I think it was still like I mean, eighteen sixties is still somewhat. Close yeah, that, that might have so there's like been great, great part... grandparents that people could be related to. That yeah, I actually think that was. The name and it could be dicey. Now that you mention it, I think I may have read something about that once. Is that like that due to maybe descendants of people from that time still being alive today, um, yeah. that they were more cautious on like, like yeah, like fictional characters versus. Yeah, like every, like making a new like, version of ex like real life characters, maybe not to violate any legacies or, or something in that lane. Yeah, exactly. Like for the most part, every historical character we meet ends up on you know the good guys assassins team, as it were. Definitely, like, definitely. at least allies. But definitely. Nothing, you know. Yeah, like go. actually, uh, go <laughs> I, I wanted to mention this before. Um, I think you mentioned a bit about like um, as you said with that like uh, a lot of the game being about Jacob and Evie's uh, relationship as brother and sister and them having to like almost make a new version of that relationship like they have to get on level with each other is I liked how different their personalities were you know Jacob was this very brash I want to say like punk punk rebellious type guy uh, kind of like he, did, he didn't really give a f about anything just like oh like he didn't care a lot he was very informal I guess you could say and then there's Evie who's like very more formal I guess very like knows the history of the brotherhood and is like more mature I guess for better or worse there's so many examples of that like when they first get to London it's like now we, Evie's like now we have to find Henry Green and Jacob's like who was that again and she was like, did you not listen the first three times? Listen to what? <laughs> and also, like, with the rope launcher, and the, Jacob just, like, got that rope, destroyed rope gun from that gang leader. And he was like, yeah. we have to do this and this now. And he's just like, Jacob, focus. And he's like, I want this right now. <laughs> um, and also, Alex especially throughout the story, you know, um, there was some missions that you could play as either, but then there were, of course, also the missions uh, where it was one character only. And, like, you just see how chaotic their relationship was in there. And that it really wasn't until the end that they were, like, fully in sync, cooperating. Um, yeah. 
But I think that, like, Syndicate is the prime example of what Ubisoft should do if if they really want to do this male-female choice thing for their characters, either make them family like that or make them love interests. Of course. Like, that, like Arno and Elise, but make them playable and have them play their own missions. Of course. Um, of course. Akania, like, I think Syndicate did it really well with Balance. Syndicate definitely did it right. Their own missions where they had their different play styles catered to. And it was the first time in Assassin's Creed that this, like, more than one playable character was introduced, which at the time was still new to gaming. Like, when I think about it, the first game that really did that was probably Grand Theft Auto V, which, holy sh**, it was almost a decade old next year. I just felt very old suddenly. Um, but yeah, they're triple games, like, Yeah, Grand Theft Auto V, not only in the Grand Theft Auto series, but... I think, like, mainstream gaming at the time in general had that you could play as more than one character and you could, like, switch between them at any time, like, during the open world. There were some story missions that you could play as anyone uh, and then there were some missions, like, where you could switch between them during the mission or some of them were locked to one character. Um, but Syndicate definitely did that well. It maybe it probably took a bit of inspiration from GTA V, maybe, maybe not. But it definitely pulled it off well. And I liked how throughout the story, you know, that Jacob, he was really just focused on take out the Templars, that's how we like take back London. Where Evie was more she was more like, it's not just about that. We also have to see like how does taking out this guy affect this and what can that lead to? And at the same time, she was very focused on the Shroud and that if the Shroud does exist, well, then we need to acquire it before Steric does. Whereas Jacob, like, he doesn't even believe the first civilization existed. He doesn't believe in the Shroud or anything until, like, the end. Yeah, he mainly thinks they're fairy tales, but yeah. I mean, he, he knows the lessons, he knows the stories because he sat there. But he just he just thinks all of it is like myths and legends and, and stuff. Which just adds to his kind of like more like punk rock, uh, edgy personality. And also throughout the story, a lot of it was, yeah, he... A lot of the missions is Jacob, especially like in like towards the middle of the game. is like, you know, you take out the main targets as Jacob. But then you switch to Evie and she's like cleaning up the mess he made. Like, yeah. one of my favorite moments is when you sneak into the Bank of England to, like, assassinate the, like, the, like, the director of the bank or something. <laughs> but then Evie meets with, uh, what's his name, um, Frederick Abeline, the, the police sergeant there, and he's just like, it's yeah. utter chaos. The, like, the, the formula for the British pound has been stolen, and it's, like, utter chaos, like, the economy. <laughs> Yeah, like like the economy it is at risk, uh, uh, and Evie's just like, come on. Yeah, um, and yeah, also she's always what, sleeping up behind her brother. But yeah, whereas Jacob is just this really, I'm not gonna lie, like I I think force that drives their cause forward. Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna lie, maybe right things he does wrong. Based on myself, I I love Jacob's like kind of edgy person, not really give a. F personality but obviously it also does especially by the end get to that point where it's like okay yeah, come I on like, this is real yet. <laughs> like I, I remember like at the end you know the the last sequence starts with that scene of the two of them like bickering 
arguing on the train that like Evie's like Sterig is gonna make his move tonight. He's gonna kill the queen and like the like the entire head of state and Jacob and he's gonna take the shroud and Jacob is like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and like where sort of. and where they're almost like, look, we're gonna part ways until Henry steps in and is like, come on, one last, then you can like go off and never see each other again. But that is ultimately their redemption, I guess, as well. Yeah, I think I think Henry definitely brings them together. Yeah, Henry's kind of like that. Knowing his story, his backstory with being, you know, Agar's Mir's son and getting shunned from the Brotherhood for a while and then having to train them. Yeah, Henry was kind of like that middle character, middleman, I suppose. Yeah, he kept throwing himself in harm's way for you. Too, which was a little, little over the top, but yeah, I mean, that, that's a thing. Like, it could the like the Henry Evie relationship could that have been built upon more throughout the game? Yeah, it it came in spurts, but it was only like three or four times that they really like flirt with yeah. each other. And like, so I, from what I remember, the canon is that like after the game, the two of them get married and stuff. Actually. Um, yeah, because I think by Locus they're already like established together, if not married. Yeah, um, but but Henry was still like a cool character, I guess, and and really when I think about it in terms of character syndicate, like kept it rather limited compared to previous games, like in terms of like who the main assassin team is made up of. Like it's really yeah, only Jacob, really only Evie, and Henry. Abilene? Fred, not not uh, Fred Abilene. Yeah, I, I think I there remember. Was one other I think I know who you mean. I just can't remember his name. But yeah, the the one at the very start when they're leaving Crawley, like yeah, he's like kind of the Westhouse. Is that his name, Troy Westhouse? Maybe I don't know. Whatever. We'll we'll uh, we'll get to that if it if it is. But but yeah, it's kind of like the 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 main like heroes team. I guess was made up of fewer people this time which which ultimately worked i think whereas like yeah i kept it focused and in terms of like templar antagonist i'm not gonna lie crawford steric was not the most interesting character to date like templar antagonist to date yeah, I, i'll give you that like he had he had a trading company you know that that could throw the templar influence into a worldwide spin but he, he was mostly in the background from like yeah, the like, of the story right until he started you know, dancing with yeah like, like so. and, but all like in terms of development and to that final battle the only impression of him you really got was that he's evil for the sake of it he's like a maniac who just wants to rule the world yeah. for the sake of it like uh, yeah, let's think of other Templar antagonists like yeah, like Haytham Kent, like Haytham is probably one of the best like Templar antagonists. Be like not only given his his Kenway heritage, of course, but also because the first like, like one third of it. Assassin's Creed Three, you actually play as him. Like you really get to know him on a personal level, which just adds so much more depth to him. I'm also we trying to. Hysteric. We get a song and dance. Literally. Yeah, and 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 even in like Black Flag. Uh, Torres is actually, um, I think, one of the better 
uh, Templars as well. Even he, yeah. he even he, even if he's in the shadows for most of the game, you you get the impression that he's this quite sinister guy. I feel like Torres is a lot like Sidious from Star Wars. Like, yeah, kind of like that older, creepy, creepy dude who like yeah. But let's say more about Taurus for the Black Flag retrospective, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, th that kind of makes me think in general, like, in terms of te strong Templar antagonist, it's kind of like a bit hit and miss, like, Brother, like, the Ezio trilogy also has some well-developed ones, like Rodrigo Borgia. Uh, he's probably the best one, I guess, at the end of the day. I feel like in Syndicate, Thorn would be that's her name more I, 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 I have forgotten her last name um, I have forgotten her last name but I remember her Lucy Thorn yeah she was like yeah. kind of her Asterix's right hand woman um, yeah. until what is it she her and like Evie while he's in his yeah what is it her and Evie fight at the top of St. Paul's I think it is like she uh, like jumps out the window or something and then there's that quite awesome mission where you, uh, where Evie goes, uh, takes the fairy down to the Tower of London, to to like properly assassinate her, once and for all, because she was looking for the shroud at Tower, from what I remember. But it turns out it was under Buckingham Palace. So yeah, like I I think in terms of characters there, like it had some great assassin characters because it also tried and kept it somewhat limited for once, but the same can't really be said for maybe Templar antagonists for once. Which, yeah, I don't know if that's like a good or bad thing. I mean, I, I thought the fact that they were able to come up with, you know, plausible uh, Templars for the time, and like what they were involved with, with like, you know, the child factories or the... Uh, a trading company like Stark had, or, you know, they, they had important... It just reminds roles. me, um, Maxwell Roth was actually, like, then again, he was kind of like, just as much gang leader, dedicated to his gang, as he was fully to the Templars, but he was still like an interesting, quite mysterious character. Yeah, he was pretty enigmatic, like bouncing well, It makes me think, what is it the like enemy gang was called? It was the Rooks versus The Blighters. The Blighters, that's right. Uh which Maxwell Roth was the leader of. And it's kinda like until that point, you know, it's kinda like it, it was Bloods versus Crips, but London eighteen sixty eight edition. So you think they were like arch enemies <laughs> until like sequence eight when Jacob and Maxwell actually start working together. And that turns out to, you know, be a disaster when Jacob finds out he's willing to let children die in an explosion. And and, and I never got, yeah, what in the world was that kiss cool. about? Like, when Jacob is assassinating him and, uh, like, why in the world does Steric start kissing, or uh, Maxwell Ross start kissing Jacob? What? I never I never got oh, that. Because he's, I think what they were going for is that he's essentially a Joker character. He just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah, probably that. Yeah, maybe you're onto something. Yeah, but I think now that I think of it, um, in terms of like standout characters, one thing that was actually quite interesting were like the real life characters, like the historical figures, like Queen Victoria, Charles Darwin, 
uh, some a guy's the, name on oh, forget Charles Dickens. Yeah, like a lot of the that, those were kind of like the main side missions of the game as well. Um, you know, it was the London stories I think they were called. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, kind of like the side missions, but had the structure of like main missions. Um, they were for all those real life historical characters. Yeah, I remember, I think it was five different ones. It was Queen Victoria, Charles Dickens, uh, Charles Darwin, Karl Marx, and then there was a fifth guy, wasn't there? Alexander Graham Bell, I think. Maybe. Maybe uh, maybe that was. Oh man, it's been a while since I played Syndicate in reality, so, so there may be like a few points where I am a bit rusty, um, but, oh well. <laughs> but, but... But in terms of like overall gameplay wise, like um, I'm not gonna lie, I feel like Syndicate is one of the the best games in terms of that. I think the, the combat is pretty fun. They, there's a little bit of the damage sponging showing in Syndicate right before they got to Origins and all. The, the combat system was quite good, definitely. Um, like yeah. it wasn't the easy like BX counter kill. Uh, right. Which were like yeah, it's not in... counter to win. No, but it's but to, you gotta work for it. Yeah, and it wasn't totally like Unity's combat system as well. But there were like it, it was quite good. Like it was. Yeah, there's good. It wasn't too variety. easy without being too difficult. Yeah, and um, even even like freehand melee for both of them felt totally different. That was really cool. And and a good play. I remember a good place to always train the combat skills were in the fight clubs. Yeah, which were also quite a fun side mission um, yeah. especially like and sometimes it would take a few tries like it was the it's the one in Westminster where it's like eight rounds or something and there's just like mm -hmm. one round maybe 20 like big dudes and it's just like yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's about like given your health doesn't regenerate during the fight it's about really like combining it and trying to get like the the, the double kills or triple kills where possible throwing them into each other yeah but i think in terms of too. in terms of like side missions and gameplay in general as i said syndicate has got to be one of my favorites just because it felt very diverse the gameplay like there was a lot of different stuff to do everything felt very different and uh and, and each of them felt unique like you had the main stories you had the side missions and then you know you have stuff like the fight clubs and the like the carriage races the, too. The mysteries too were really cool. Yeah, and really and like especially that's probably one of the best side missions was like conquering the burrows, the different burrows, uh, where there was everything from like where the gang stronghold was definitely the the most exciting one. You know that was just yeah. classic, and mostly because that was just classic Assassin's Creed in a in the yeah, best way possible. Like it's just like stealth. Yeah, like, you need to take out, like, the gang leader, you need to, like, maybe burn some gang plans, um, and just, like, try and stay undetected. Um, but, and, and then there were the collect, like, the various collectibles and, and stuff, um, actually makes me yeah, think, like, really cool I never, I never really collected a lot of the Helix points, I think it was called. But I have always heard the more of them you collected, like the more, you know, secret files would be regenerated and you would learn some interesting things in the database, like about Desmond's son and whatnot. 
Yeah, there was, I, yeah, I remember that. There was a little recording of them having found him. Like, his mother took him to a hospital and they registered his name. And that's how they, they found his DNA and traced it back and they showed the same bloodline as Subject 17, showing like all these similar family members of people in uh, Paris, people in the Middle East, people in the Caribbean, same yeah. same lineage, so they were like, let's pick that boy up. Uh, but I think, if I remember right, Romatica wanted to take him and just put him in an animus for like 20 years in that recording, and then I think it's Isabel Ardant is also in the recording, and she's like, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't agree with that. But yeah. <laughs> that reminds me that, like, I think the modern day-wise, Syndicate was a bit a bit of trolling, but still all right. I remember there were like interviews it's with Mark Alexicote. He was like it. saying, "Modern day is back," and we're like, "Who? Oh, modern day? We're gonna be able to like play modern day?" But really, it was just like ten minutes worth of cutscenes, which was like okay. But still, I think it was all right. Like in it's terms of where it went, like there were. Yeah, there were a lot of familiar faces that were back. That was pretty cool, like Sean and Rebecca, and then Galena, of course, um, and then like a face like Otso Berg as well, um, and then the whole like that the game basically ends with the them clashing underneath Buckingham Palace there, where the shroud yeah. is. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to be able to play it, or maybe at least control one of the drones. Maybe, yeah. And I just remember that, like, it was on to a lot of different stuff, like the modern day, also, as you mentioned, with Dr. Grammatica and that, and, like, how the game ends with Juno, like, appearing on the screen there. But I always heard yeah, that, like, that... Yeah, but, but I hear that storyline was just wrapped in, like, the most anticlimactic way in, like, a comic book or something, where it's just like, come on. Um, where do you think that will kind of set the premise for modern day going forward? But I guess not. But, but, like, yeah, it kind of sucked that you weren't able to play it, but, like, in terms of what it did for the modern day, like, in terms of set, what would have worked as good setups, um, and, like, in terms of familiar faces, it was one of the better modern day storylines. Yeah, had it been paid off in a future game, that would have been one of the best setups in the series. Definitely. But the fact that, like, basically, like, the whole Phoenix Project and... What happened with Juno both got knocked out in the comments. Kind of cheapens the ending of the game. Definitely. Modern, modern day was, was alright. I was more interested in the, the stuff that you can get about the, the, the pieces of Eden in the, in the past. Sure. It's like, I know you and I talked briefly, but I'll bring it up on, on here. That, uh, like, back in David Brewster's lab scene, when he's electrifying that apple, you skirt around while you're going to find him and take him out. You can find the head of St. Denis in his lab before it blows up. So it kind of implies that it's the same. One that Arno finds like 80 years earlier. Yeah. And yeah. Because, I mean, it, it quote unquote gets destroyed in the lab explosion, but we just know that the lab got destroyed. Perhaps not. Destroyed. Perhaps not. I, I think yeah. the final, like, um, gameplay thing I wanted to talk about quickly was, uh, that was another, like, uh, side mission, I guess, almost side, like, reality I quite like was the whole World War One setting. Um, Absolutely. 
like the whole like animus glitch setting whatever it quite was about that is like there's this portal like halfway through the game spawns at like the end of the thames um that takes you like 50 years into the future and suddenly you're playing as lydia fry um and I, I quite like the like the little mini storyline there, like the different like you kind of had to conquer the area. Um, you had to like yeah, yeah take care of this. This this and that stronghold, just just like taking over the borough. Yeah. Um, well, and then and then it all ended with Juno, with Juno. What was that? I think she's Jacob's granddaughter. Yeah, yeah, that's what it. She's she's Jacob's granddaughter, um, which obviously tells us that. I either after like um yeah in between like after the game Jacob also gets married or something and and has a kid that yeah um and then the whole thing like when you had killed that Templar grandmaster who also turned out to be a sage another sage um yeah. like I remember Juno appears sounding very ominous menacing threatening I can't remember what it is she says but it's like a message you know to the I will be back yeah, basically. Yeah, um, and it was cool, and it was like a cool mini map as well. And it was kind of like you kind of got to, ex although in a future setting, it was like kind of you got to explore a part of London that wasn't on the main map. Because like something like the Tower of London, even though I kind of thought it would be, wasn't on the main map. It was only in a few missions here and there. Mm. Even if it is very, very like I'm currently living in London. Even if like the tower is very close, like. St. Paul's Cathedral, stuff like that. But, you know, you couldn't right. fit everything in there. But it also cool, you know, then you had Tower Bridge, which, which I remember was quite fun to, like, climb up. Like, the open ramp, that was quite fun to, like, climb up. And, yeah. And it was also, you know, there was another familiar face, Winston Churchill, uh, which mm -hmm. was, like, was, was kind of, like, the perfect opportunity, I guess. Um, yeah. See him in, like, a pre-World War II setting and, and stuff. But, yeah, I definitely yeah, quite, cool quite liked like, the... I quite, I did quite like that World War One, uh, like alternative setting, and and Lydia was. Yeah, I wish it, they explored it just a little more. And it, and it was pretty cool to see see Lydia like um, like uh, like another assassin, but even further up in time. Like I think that took place in like 1916. And also the way you got to like you could like grab the big machine guns and shoot down like uh, German warplanes and stuff. That was pretty fun. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's I think like the most modern that we had. Yeah, definitely. Just in general, Syndicate is the most modern Assassin's Creed game there is, and I remember at first a lot of people were skeptical about it, but ultimately everything paid off. Like in terms of like the weapons you had, like you had a revolver now suddenly, and which could like fire multiple bullets at once, and um, yeah. But it worked, and the rope launcher may have been a bit like over the top here and there, but it still worked quite well, and it, and it was a very cool no, tool, I it was really a lot of fun to a use. Good tool to get across, like it was, it was basically the Victorian Spider-Man, so Definitely. I was fine with it. It was a lot of fun, but yeah. And then, um, and custom, I say that it, reminds it, it, me, like the ones that didn't like it, they could just. Climb if yeah. they wanted to too. They sure. still kept all the same puzzle mechanics of climbing in sure. the buildings, which I really enjoyed. That reminds me, like in terms of character customization, it was definitely a step down from uh, from Unity, 
but it was it was similar, but with like less options and more. Yeah, presets. There was still a lot of cool level. outfits. Definitely still a lot of cool outfits, weapons. Like the way that the weaponry for once was very small, given that you know it was a time where you couldn't just carry massive swords and axes on your back anymore. Um, you know, so it would kind of be something you could hide on your body. Um, yeah, so, so you could choose between like what was it, the kukri, or the or the like the cane sword or the brass knuckles. I typically yeah. went kukri for Jacob and the cane sword for Evie. That's how I typically always Same. went with it. Same. Yeah, uh, but there were still a lot of cool outfits for them. Still, like try them out in different colors. The uh, different assassin yeah. gauntlets and stuff and. Uh, and yeah. I really like the Aegis suit too. Did you end up getting the Aegis suit for Evie? Uh, which which one? The Minerva's Aegis. Oh yeah, I I uh, I got that one. That was when you had collected all of the the music boxes. I think it was. Yeah. You go yeah, to that like underground like temple steals. where like yeah Minerva's outfit has been there forever, and it's bulletproof. Is that what it is, or? Uh, you turn invisible. Well, crouch. Evie already turns invisible, like, regardless. I can't remember what Like, it... in the... But I think she does it, like, but, like if she's out of sight, you can do it in sight, too. Maybe. I can't remember, but it did but, have some like special that, you perks. Also get, like, you get a, a couple little, like, damage buffs, too. For but, that was a, but that was another cool thing. That, that was, like, a skill that was exclusive to Evie. Was that, like, become... Stand so still... Oh, now that I think of it, that Drax from, uh... Guardians of the Galaxy would have liked that power, I guess. Stand so incredibly still that you become invisible to the eye. <laughs> that's that. Now that I thought that's the first time I think of it like that. But yeah, but yeah. Other than that, I I can't really think of any like other things that like that that to cover on this aspect. Um, so maybe we we move on. That's cool. Yeah, I wanted to also talk a bit about, like, do you feel like AC Syndicate ever became a proper household title in the AC franchise? And how's the game's legacy looked upon today, here almost seven years later? As we kind of discussed, like, the, the brother-sister brother dynamic of it is looked on fondly, but at the same time, like, with how campy and jokey it is, I, I think it's kind of lampooned itself and... I know that a lot of fans see it as a joke rather than a serious Assassin's Creed title because yeah. it doesn't take itself so seriously. Like, I, the, the thing is that I, I feel like Syndicate kind of... It came out at a weird time. Like, it was only a year after Assassin's Creed Unity, which, you know, had the worst launch ever. And we also talked about that, like, in a previous episode when we covered... Uh, when we, like, uh, had the Unity retrospective. You know, it was because the game was rushed, um, you know, it was built on this brand new engine for PS4, Xbox One only, which just clearly wasn't ready at all, and Unity just had the worst launch ever, which, you know, obviously really got a lot of people to turn their head against Assassin's Creed, which, um, which kind of like, you know, put Syndicate in a bad spot, considering, oh great, another game built on the same engine, it's just going to be another crap fest. But then, like, it came out, and I actually remember, like, a lot of reviews were, like, 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10. Like, the reviews were very good, saying that, like, a strong comeback for Assassin's Creed 
and I fully agree with with those reviews. But in terms of like in terms of like how how household the title is like the game is, it's probably one of really the less critically acclaimed, like the least talked about ones. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, yeah, I would, I would put it in the same category, if not just barely higher than Rogue, just because of Rogue's yeah, side launch community, like. like yeah, it's like, one of the least talked about in the main list. Like, it, Syndicate is one of my favorite games. Like, it, it's been a while since I really thought about how I'd rank the AC games. So it definitely makes the top three for me, Syndicate. Just given that, you know, it's a lot of fun gameplay-wise. Um, has a very bright and fun tone, which which I guess is nice here and then. And and the Lon and the London the map is underbelly of London. yeah and the London map itself was, was very well made like it's very accurate to real life London both in terms of like everything to see and size wise you know it covers most of like central London uh, city of London Westminster the Strand stuff like that uh, like southern London uh, and obviously and kind of like explore London in a way that. You can't really today, um, you know, with all the like the like the Victorian setting, which which make for some cool virtual tourism, I guess. Kind of like be taken back in time, see London in a in a different um, day and age, where it also felt very real, uh, which was a cool element. But I will agree with you that that can be because of like maybe as you say the story or stuff. Um, or that it was just like only a year after Unity, um, that it kind of like. Part of the story. It's part of. It's part yeah. Of the, uh, like, it, everybody was on Assassin's Creed burnout by. Yeah, second. definitely, and and I remember it was a time where people were just like, "Look, there's been a new Assassin's Creed game every fucking year for the past six years now. We need a break." Yeah. Um, so Syndicate was kind of. I guess you can say Syndicate was kind of the franchise going on hiatus with a bang i guess mm -hmm. um like we're gonna try one more thing and then we're gonna touch yeah up a little bit. but but it was at a time where where sat people needed a break from assassin's creed so kind of like even if the game uh did have a lot of positive reception it just never and there can be many reasons for that it just never quite became the household title that other games in the franchise were like Assassin's Creed 2 or Black Flag, like the major milestones, like the most talked about ones, the kind of yeah. the timeless ones, I guess you can call it. Syndicate never really not, became that. It's not skip worthy though, I think. I think the story holds its own. Definitely, definitely. It. <laughs> and even as I said, for me, it is one of the better Assassin's Creed games. Uh, even if I, it's been like a long, long time now since I played it last, I, yeah. I still love playing it. Um, it's a lot of fun. I have some, I guess I have some nostalgia with it, uh, some good nostalgic memories with it. Considering it was also the first Assassin's Creed game I ever got on release, like the first one I got on release date, because um, that was around the time I had gotten into Assassin's Creed as well. Um, so, so I guess. Syndicate is kind of the special one for me there. Um, so even if it is a great game and stuff, there were just different, yeah, circumstances. I mean, it's one of the ones I quote often with, what's this greeting? Assassin's Christmas. Oh, I love that quote. Oh. I love that quote. <laughs> Iconic, yeah. Um, I also remember Jacob saying, like, uh, when he murders that, like, 
medical guy who has like control of the houses of parliament or whatever is Jacob's just like what a prick <laughs> yeah so yeah even if syndicate is a very good game um i think given like the current the state of assassin's creed at the time and stuff and just never allowed it for just never allowed for it to become the proper household title other games are um yeah and it definitely especially among like casual and you know hardcore assassin's creed fans of course we've played it we still know it in and out as you say we we quote it we still talk about it and stuff um but like you said it also went up against things like grand theft auto 5 at the sure. same time yeah so were. like i guess outside the ac community and like us who have played it it never really and even within the community as well it never became the proper household title that other games have become yeah, and I kind of wish it would, so that they would make a Lydia Fry game. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, it's a good game, it's one you can always come back to, even here many years later, but it's not one that's like very... It's not one that properly left its stamp, compared to like Assassin's Creed 2, which here, almost 13 years later, is still one of the most beloved Assassin's Creed games, and just like, video games in general. Of like mm -hmm. the the yo-os and and like the the early tens and stuff. Definitely. Like Assassin's Creed Two Easily. is one of the greatest games. Of I I also said that right back when we did our Ezio trilogy retrospective. Assassin's Creed Two is, in a lot of ways, the only Assassin's Creed game which has become a proper household Assassin's Creed game. Kind of like as you said, along the lines of Grand Theft Auto Five and like yeah. video games I mean, that have really gone really down in history. Play Assassin's Creed to know. Is. Yeah, no, definitely not. But you're gonna be like Assassin's Creed in London. That's a thing. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to, unless there's more to cover on this, I wanted to talk about one last thing, and that was, um, of course, the Jack the Ripper expansion that came out for this game. Uh, how did you yeah. like that one? I thought it was really neat, being using fear tactics. And yeah. All that. I'm not and gonna. One one little thing of note that uh, is in there. If I remember right, I, I think it is, that uh, Jack the Ripper uses smell, that's why he can smell around walls. It, like, that's part of his eagle vision, is heightened smell, also. I can't remember if, that's a th if it was smell, but um, it might be there was some sort of extra sense to it for him. Fear. Yeah, there was like a fear element, you could like, scare nearby enemies, like, if they were frightened, Enough, like if that's because they see you mutilate someone, or because you use fear gas on them, mystical Indian fear gas, they become yeah. too frightened that they're like crippled. Like they're not gonna try to fight you. You don't even have to kill them. Um, but I'm not gonna lie. Jack the Ripper is my favorite uh, Assassin's Creed story expansion. Out it's of like, I feel like it's the one that had the most uh, consistent story. And it's one that actually had you, like, caring for what was going on. Because other expansions, like Freedom Cry or, or, or like, Dead Kings. Like, sure, there's some cool missions and stuff, but it was kind of, like, not really one that, like, story-wise, it, was, it wasn't really one that was kind of, like, had you uh, making you nervous or, like, oh, wow, what's going to happen now? It never really did anything to keep you intrigued. It was kind of like just some extra missions, get to plays like sad old man 
alcoholic Arno or play as Adewale for once, who, you know, is one of the standout characters of Black Flag kind yeah, of an issues for them. Uh, whereas that, Jack, where, whereas I also like a lot of like thriller, uh, like crime movies, kind of like Zodiac and stuff. And Jack the Ripper is just like, you know, story-wise delivered there on every point imaginable. I I, I still have I, I still have I still so clearly remember when I first played the opening, like there when Jacob is in that old apartment trying to grab his things, knowing he's he's being followed, and then Jack is just like there behind him, just like your time has come, um, and then they fight it out, and he's just like I am the solution, and then the screen turns to black, and you're like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, like and then and then it turns like that. Like the the theme, like the piano theme, which was quite quite a good one. Uh, like very yeah, sinister, it's and it's just like, and then it pops up that very grey afternoon in London. It's snowing, and the title, and I mean that opening is probably one of the best openings like in Assassin's Creed like ever. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's one of the best boss fights in Assassin's Creed. Honestly, maybe like, as well. Tension. And even if the you know the the like the Jack the Ripper sequence itself was very short, only about ten missions, and can be completed in like no more than a couple hours, it's it was still a very enjoyable uh, story. And also the way it switched between you playing as Evie and actually the Ripper himself, like in in that first memory, you know, you actually play as the Ripper chasing down Jacob, which was quite a weird thing. Yeah, um, it felt wrong. Yeah, in a way, definitely. Put us on our toes. Yeah, and it just like showed you that like the Ripper is actually a former assassin. He has all the skills, like the free running, rope launcher, all that stuff, and then he's just this terrifying psycho killer as well, um, which which was definitely quite nice. And and it also I liked how it a lot of times took you outside the main, like the main map, um, and even the main London map was like heavily reduced like it was only two boroughs uh this time around the city of london and whitechapel like you couldn't access yeah. westminster or which made sense ultimately yeah and but as i said what i liked about it is that there were some missions that really took you outside the map you went to that like uh like fashion ladies mansion up north with like the big garden and stuff if you remember that uh, it also took you to that abandoned asylum where there's also that ship uh, where like first Evie goes and then Jay, uh, the Ripper show you play as the Ripper at that yeah. exact same location right afterwards because he has to tie up loose ends. Yeah. And then like at the end it takes you inside Lambeth Asylum again and uh, yeah. Um, and then what I liked in general about it was like how dark it felt like how like dark and ominous and like gloomy it felt like even when yeah, you were in very tense the whole like game. even when, just like throughout the whole game had a very dark vibe to it both story-wise and like color-wise and weather-wise like whereas in the main game you could sometimes see the most like amazing clear blue sky sunset it would somehow always be a bit cloudy in the in this game also maybe given that from what I remember, it takes place like during the late fall winter. So yeah, it just in general had this very dark vibe to it. Even just when playing like the open world, like the much smaller uh, open world, but still with a few side missions, collectibles, all that stuff. Um, 
it in general, yeah, just felt very dark, um, which definitely like suited the you know the the tone of, of the of the little expansion. So in my book, like, and even if I've seen some people say that like Jack the Ripper wasn't that good an expansion for them, but in my book, it's flawless pretty much, and definitely the best no, Assassin's Creed very expansion. Cool. Yeah. New mechanics to the game and actually like yeah. you know, expanded like what you can do in the game. And it was also just cool to see an expansion that was set so long after, like, um, yeah, the main game and see them as older. older yeah, play play as an older Eevee and stuff. And, like, so much had happened in those 20 years since the main game. Obviously, yeah. like, Eevee ha has, has been a wife. Jacob has, you know, been rebuilding the Brotherhood. Obviously, which we get, like, led to the creation of the Ripper. Was, like, you know... Uh, a, a failed training and stuff um and if and anything that now that wasn't ready to train somebody either. yeah and, and it quickly that mess. and it quickly reminds me in terms of what we talked about uh in the beginning of of the episode here like in terms of the main game exploring evie and jacob's relationship them still being young and kind of having to like properly become brother and sister find that brother sister love which is something you can definitely see has you know that has gotten so much stronger in 1888 though they're 20 years later definitely. you know they, they they're older right they're more mature yeah i definitely but she's also more mature about it, yeah. yeah i because i remember towards the end like when she has been like trying to find the ripper wondering is jacob even alive and then she finds him there all beaten possibly with the loss of an eye I mean, I mean I, either he's just been beaten bloody. up I don't know. either he's just been beaten up so good that it's it. swollen or he's lost his eye uh, I don't know um, but that I do but, but but you just remember like Evie finding him there being so relieved Jacob like barely like yeah. he's just so beaten but he's so happy to see her and she's so happy to see him um, yeah, you really can definitely like see that that, that 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 like they they have started to love each other in a way that they didn't necessarily 20 years ago when they were young but now they're older they're more mature um and and like their brother their fraternity has definitely reached a new level of love i guess which yeah. which also makes for quite nice development and also compared to some of the other expansions where i said you play as adawale who was like a good character but then you play as him 10 years later and it's not like anything necessarily has been added to him and like something like dead kings takes place so shortly after the main unity game then it's kind of like yeah, um, it feels like the same arno only apparently he's been like drinking for many years and has become depressed and whatnot <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's a much more depressed arno so yeah Anyway, I can't really. I think we've covered a lot of interesting stuff. Do you have anything to uh, to add here? I guess the only other thing I would add is uh, there's one other thing that's up for debate in the lore that I think uh, some more people should think about. Um, the the shroud when we put it back in Buckingham Palace, and then you see it uh, in the modern day. There's there's a box that Isabella Ardant pulls out of the altar that. The shroud was put into and the box itself has isu like the same molecule molecule looking pattern all over it so hmm, i've never paid attention to that floating around 
I've never paid attention to that. I'm not gonna lie. It's the same box that's handed to the Grammatica when you get to it. Like it's a precursor box, but it's not counted. Oh right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I I guess like in terms of Syndicate is maybe one of those games that kind of like. Uh, for once, didn't focus that much on like first civilization Isu lore compared to like previous games, Black Flag, and no. like sure, it it was kind of still you could feel everything was going to lead up to 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 finding the shroud and and everything, but like throughout the game, it wasn't like a, a key factor. So yeah, yeah, not not quite as much as previous games. No. Definitely not. All right then, I think um, I think we've covered just about everything. Uh, I'm surprised we've even talked about this uh, apparently not very household uh, Assassin's Creed game for this long, but <laughs> I guess it's just because you and me are, are are quite big fans of it and stuff. So yeah. yeah anyway, then I just want to thank all of you for listening to episode 21 of the Memory Corridor. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay up to date on everything happening on the ones who came before and more things Assassin's Creed. Links to everybody's social media pages can be found down below. As always, if anyone has feedback and or topic ideas for future episodes, feel free to share it in the comments. Now, once again, thanks for watching and listening, everyone. I hope to see all of you for the next episodes. And until those come out, stay safe and keep the community what it is. And of course, thanks to Mr. Spider-Man for joining me uh, here on the episode. I hope you had a good time. Thanks for having me. I did. No worries. You're welcome to come back anytime. And that sums up this episode and our retrospective look at AC Syndicate. Stay safe and active, everyone. See you later, Assassins. Peace.